Amen, amen, amen. That was awesome, man. I, I, uh, I sprained my ankle last week. I'm without crutches now, but I'm going to sit down because I cannot move a top very much right now, okay? And, and when I usually preach, I do move a lot, and I'm not, I don't trust myself to not sprain it again. But what's up, Northwest community? We, we don't spend much time together, and so I'm grateful to be with you guys, you know, physically and then with everyone else virtually. We're going to be continuing on in our, in our sermon series, Miracles, today. So you can go ahead and flip over your Bible, so Mark chapter 4. But first, I just want to give a, a quick update on the Massey family. So Camden Massey turned two years old on Wednesday. Super exciting. And um, he's the cutest little two-year-old ever. He's the joy of our lives. He's got more energy than I ever thought was possible. But uh, he is a blast. And, and we've had a great time. You know, uh, uh, this, this uh, month is a huge wedding uh, month for Georgia Tech graduates. And two weeks ago, Haley and Jacob got married. Haley Eskew and Jacob Tevez got married. Haley graduated from Georgia Tech. And um, it was my first wedding that I uh, officiated. So that, that was kind of cool. And, uh, and Camden was the ring bearer. He made it halfway up the aisle, then got super distracted by some flowers, and Daddy had to go get his attention to get him to come the rest of the way. But it was really fun. But um, there's some other great weddings coming up. So in, in next weekend, Taj Belongjalat, who also graduated from Georgia Tech, is marrying Abby Ray, who graduated from Kennesaw. Of course, Russell and Carol Ray are incredible members down in the Deep South community. And it's really special for me. Russell and Carol were like my second parents growing up. So I'm so happy for their family and for Abby. They're getting married next weekend. And then in two weeks, Eric and Amelia, who both graduated from Georgia Tech, are getting married on the first. Of course, we know Eric because Eric ran our sound for a couple of years with Andy and the rest of the guys. So it's just a, a great time of love. And when the world is quarantining and separating and filled of hate, in the kingdom of God, God is still bringing people together in love. Amen. And so it is an incredible, incredible thing. But we're going to go ahead and jump into Mark chapter 2. And we're going to read, wow, I don't have my Bible. Let me see if I have it right here. Nope, I can't do this. Bang. All right, Mark chapter 4. So we're, we're in Mark chapter 4, and in uh, verse 35, we're going to pick up on our miracle, miraculous story today. And in Mark 4, verse 35, it reads, That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, Let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boats. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up and waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. And Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him up and said, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? And he got up and rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. And then the wind died down and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? And they were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. And this is an incredible story right here. We're going to dive into the different pieces of it. But the, the title of today's talk is, the, is Questions of the Ages. 
questions of the ages, because there's a couple questions that get answered to the disciples right here that I believe is at the core of every Christian heart. And while there's a lot of questions deep down in our heart, these two are so important. And these two change everything. And the way you answer these two questions will impact everything in your life. From the way that you live personally to the way you interact with others, the way you answer these two questions we're going to talk about today will change everything. So what are those two questions? The first one, is God strong enough to work in my life? And number two, does God not just care, but does God actively care about me? And I, and I don't just mean answering these today like with an intellectual acceptance or an intellectual belief, but I, I, wanna, I want us to talk today about when you answer these questions to, the, to your core, where, how confident are you in these? How, how much have you embraced the full reality to the core of your being? And once you fully confidently answer this, everything else changes. And isn't it, as Christians, as disciples of Jesus, isn't it all about how much we give to others? And the reality is, if we're confident that God's power can actively work in us, then we can give our strength away. And when we're confident in God's love for us, then we can give our love away. But you have to first start by answering the questions for yourself. Amen? So number one, is God strong enough to work in my life? And this is a crazy story to look at because Jesus is crazy strong. I mean, they've measured in modern times that the, deep, the, the Sea of Galilee has measured waves up to 10 feet tall during the most furious storms like the one that we're reading right now. And Jesus is like storm from X-Men, baby, where he just calms it all. I mean, imagine if storm for out, of, out of X-Men was real. Like, that would be crazy. And yet Jesus does stuff just like she does in the movies. Who is this guy? Can you even imagine being on that boat? And I know some of you guys go, mm-mm, I wouldn't be getting on no small rickety wooden boat across no sea, mm-mm. But I just want you to imagine for just a second if you were on a boat. And what I want to do is I want to key us in, because if you remember in verse 36, it said there's other boats with them. It wasn't just their boats. And I want us to go down through an illustration of what it would have been like to be on one of those other boats. So if you want to close your eyes and imagine, go ahead if you think that'll help you. Or if not, listen in. But can you imagine being a teenager that lived on the Sea of Galilee? And one of your friends one day comes and grabs you and he says, you got to come with us to see this, this new teacher, this new rabbi, Jesus. And you've heard a little bit about him, but you, you let your friend pull you with him onto his dad's boat. His dad was a fisherman. And then as you guys get in the boat and y'all are chasing this boat, your, your friend's telling you about this teacher and trying to point him out to you. And that's, that's the guy over there. Can you see him? Let me tell you about the stuff we heard him say. And as you guys are going out, a furious storm comes out of the comes out of the mountains. And at first, it's, it's a little bit of wind and a little bit of rain. And you've been on the, uh, out on the, the, the sea during storms before. This didn't really bother you, especially when you look to your friend's dad, who's been sailing these, this sea for decades as a fisherman, and he looks fully confident. And so you're, you're, this is not that big of a storm. We're going to keep going. But over the next few minutes, everything changes. That small rain turns into a thunderstorm. 
and the rain is coming down in torrents. The wind is howling in your ears so you can barely hear the other people on your boat. And the waves pick up and you go from a gentle rocking to going up one wave and down the next one. The water starts coming into your boat and your friend shoves a pail, a bucket into your hand. And you find yourself fiercely swooping out all the water out of your boat because you guys are starting to get swamped. After one particular wave, you're thrown to the side and you grab onto the side of the, of the boats and you look to your friend's dad, the captain, for reassurance. And the look you see on your, his face terrifies you because you see fear in the eyes of the seasoned captain. And then in that moment, you lose it. You, you're clenching the side of the boat, screaming, knowing you're about to die. And then suddenly you hear a voice as if it's from heaven. And it comes with the strength of a lion's roar, yet somehow as gentle as a whisper. And as you look up, you hear quiet, be still. And suddenly, there's sun. The clouds are breaking up. Where did the rain go? The waves have disappeared. You look to the surface of the sea, and it's calmer than you've ever seen before. And you look up to whose voice was that? And then you see a man standing on the stern of a boat with his arms outstretched. Did he just do that? And on his boat, the other men fall to their knees. And as he turns and talks to them with a smile, you're, you're, you're soaked to the core of your bones from the rain, but you don't feel that at all. And all you are thinking is, did that just happen? Who is that man? And as if your friend heard your thoughts, he clapped you on the shoulder and said, I told you. That's Jesus. Amen? We serve an amazing God. And one of the hardest things for us is to read a story like this and to not just make it another religious thing that we intellectually accept, but a truth and a reality that this is real, that Jesus literally, there was a raging thunderstorm, and with three words, he stopped it. Who is this man? And to our question, is God powerful enough to work in your life? Well, with three little words, he was powerful enough to calm the storm. So yes, to the core of your being, believe North River, he is powerful enough to work in your life. Amen? And I'm so excited about, you know, seeing even during COVID times, the way God is moving powerfully. I mean, last week, God moved so powerfully that 97-year-old Miss Doris got baptized. That's amazing. What God worked so powerfully. And then on campus, I'm so proud of the campus ministry. God's moving powerfully on campus. We can't go up for our retreat like usual, up to Ocoee, to Tennessee, like because of COVID. But we're having on-campus retreats right now. We have been going on all weekend. We had meditation stations and flex faith stations and all this kind of stuff. But they're meeting on campus right now. And I'm so proud of the campus. Because even during when masks are required on campus, when there's, not, when there's mostly virtual schooling, 
we, the students have been going out and finding people that are desperately looking for relationships during this time and showing them the kingdom of God. God is moving even now despite COVID. Amen? Let's continue into our second question. Does God actively care about me? And there's something that all of us can relate with. For a lot of us, when we go through our worst storms, we start asking this question. And that what it feels, what's logical to us, is that if something terrible is happening to me, that must mean God does not care about me. And I remember feeling this so deeply during the biggest storm of Toy and I's life. Three years ago, almost exactly, we had our, a miscarriage. And we were 10 months pregnant. Uh, that doesn't make any sense. We were 10 weeks pregnant. And, um, and it was our first grandchild on either side. So we had told our grandparents. We had seen the sonogram. Uh, we had heard his heartbeats. We had prayed furiously and fervently for this child. And then we lost him. And it, it destroyed us. And over those next several months, I struggled, honestly. I struggled with God. And I, I asked this question a lot. Because for me, I had, God, do you even hear me? I prayed so much for this baby. Do you not care about me? And I seriously struggled with this. And for all of us that have gone through life, whether it's a situation like that or another one, you know what I'm talking about when you come to your core asking that question. And this is exactly what the disciples ask. They run to Jesus. Teacher, in verse 38, don't you care if we drown? Don't you care, Jesus, that this storm is happening in my life? And it's a question we need to answer as Christians in our hearts. And so, but what I love about Jesus is that even the, he's always doing two things at once. First, he's, he's actively engaging with his disciples about what is going on in the present time. But secondly, he's always calling them back to the Old Testament. See, all the disciples are Jewish men. They've memorized the Torah as kids. They know their Old Testaments in a way we can never even imagine. And so he's always making them, drawing them connections to teach them a deeper meaning. Even here, he's doing that. So let's think about it. In the Old Testament, could there potentially be a story where there's a man on a boat that fell asleep during a raging storm? And then maybe even perhaps the storm was calmed. Could there be a story like that in the Old Testament? Just maybe. Of course there is, right? In Jonah chapter 1. If you guys remember the story of Jonah, where God comes and tells Jonah in, in, chapter, in Jonah 1 verse 1, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach to them. Go love them. Go care for them. Go show them my word. And then Jonah, because Nineveh are not, the, the people there are not Jewish. They don't belong to God's people. So Jonah's like, why would I ever go speak to them? So geographically, Nineveh's this way, and he turns, and he goes that way. And he runs. And then he goes and finds a boat so he can go even further away. And then on the boat, there's a giant storm. But where's Jonah? When the violent storm rose that the ship threatened to break in, Jonah had gone below deck where he lay down and fell asleep. And he's sleeping on the boats. And then through a sequence of events over the next several verses, they throw Jonah overboard and the storm goes quiet like a miracle. And the same thing happens in Mark. You see, Jesus knew the disciples were going to think about this that night at the fireside. And they're going to be talking about this, making the connections. It's so there. And, and just like how God had told Jesus, um, God had told Jonah to go to Nineveh, 
When Jesus goes, let's go to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, who lives over there? They're not Jewish. It's the Gentile nation. And so the disciples, why, why should we go over there, Jesus? And there's so much more there you can dig, dig into. But Jesus doesn't go the opposite way. He goes to them. And so they get in the boat and they go. A storm arises just like in Jonah, number two. Number three, Jesus is asleep just like Jonah. Number four, everything's calmed. I tell you what, this was going to be an exciting fireside chat that night with the disciples, making these connections. But why? Why, why would Jesus want them to make this connection? Well, it's because when Jonah ran from the people that needed him out of fear, Jesus is different. Jesus runs to the people that need him out of love. And he wants them to see where, where Jonah left apart the people that God wanted to take to. I run to them. Not only am I willing to cross the sea to go to the, to the Gentiles, the people that need me out of love, but in your moment of need, during the storm, I showed up out of love. This is the depth that would sink in even more than that moment to them. It's so incredible. If you want to go to further study to, to another Old Testament passage, I would encourage you to read Psalms 107, 23 to 32. It's a really cool passage that links to this also. But guys, here's the thing. When bad things happen in life, it does not mean that God doesn't love you. When bad things happen in life, it doesn't mean that God doesn't love you. Amen? We have to believe this to our core, and that's what Jesus was trying to tell them at the end of this story in verse 40. And I think we read this like a rebuke half the time. And I think we read it wrong, honestly. So I think to us, we read it like Jesus is yelling at them. Why are you still so afraid? Do you still have no faith? We can kind of read it like that. But it's interesting, earlier when he talks to the waves, it actually says Jesus rebukes the winds and the waves. Here, it does not say he rebukes his disciples. It just says he said to them. No, I think Jesus is talking to them with a smile on his face, putting a hand on the, their, Peter's shoulder. Why are you so afraid, Peter? Do you still have no faith? And what, is, what faith is he talking about? Of course, faith in Jesus' power, like our first point, but I think Jesus more would have finished the sentence like this. Do you still have no faith in my love for you? Where he wants them to remember for all time, in the worst storms, Jesus will always be there. In the worst storms of life, he will always protect. He will always give. He will always love. He will always be there. It's just like in marriage. Me marrying Toya, I can't take away all the storms from her life. But what I can do is I can go through them with her. And we can believe that we would rather go through storms with God than without God. Amen? Man, this is so, so true. North River, Northwest Community. Have you lost faith in Jesus' love for you? Because there are storms going on in our world right now. And we do have one more thing I want us to learn from this story. You see, for the disciples, while they questioned Jesus' love and then why they questioned Jesus' power, they did do something right. Okay, the disciples get something right every once in a while. Amen, right? What did they do? So they questioned his power and love in the storm. But they didn't question who they should run to. And in that moment, they abandoned their oars. They abandoned their sails. They didn't trust anymore in their experience as fishermen. 
and they ran to Jesus. And that, my friends, is something we should learn from. Amen? Because there's a reality that there is a storm going on right now in this world. If there was ever a year that was a storm, it is 2020. <laughs> I mean, from COVID isn't going anywhere, like to, man, the, there's, there's racial tensions going on. And whether it's through injustice or different groups and discrimination and what people are saying to each other, that's a storm. And politically, there, I mean, it seems like it's never been this bad. And it seems like there's just the tension is just con constant and the groups are so isolated and so against one another that there's this storm going on in this world. And I think we need to learn from the disciples that during this storm, who do you run to? During this storm, where do you put your hope? Do you trust, who do you trust to take care of your family during this time? I posed this a few weeks, or almost six weeks ago now. Because the world is saying to put your trust in either Biden or Trump. That's what they're saying. Do you, do you follow that or do you put your trust in Jesus instead? Can, can, can men on earth do something to help us? Of course they can. But no man deserves the trust of your soul. No man deserves your eternal hope. Where you're saying, because no man will ever be able to fully take care of you. And while we have our opinions and while we know that certain people can help us or not, okay, all that aside, that all pales in comparison to our ultimate trust being in Jesus Christ. And during this time, there's a lot of other groups and a lot of other people saying, trust us, trust our experience, trust our practice and how we've done it before with the oars, trust the way we raise the sails and how we put them down. But instead of trusting all that, do you trust Jesus over everything? And Jesus to put your hope and your trust in more than anything else. During these crazy times, the world needs someone to show them the way. That no human will ever be the hope of this world. No human will ever be the hope of this world. Only Jesus can be the hope of this world. And the, and the world needs to say the one great beacon of hope is not a political party. It's not some group racially, but it is Jesus Christ. And he ultimately is the light of this world. Amen? We, the world needs to see that. And what's crazy, just as I pointed out earlier, that there was other boats around Jesus' boat. It's interesting. They went through the same storm, and they were saved, not even knowing really what was going on in Jesus' boat. But Jesus' boat... And what, what, how the disciples responded and united in going to Jesus, that boat was the saving grace for the rest of the boats. And somehow the disciples, despite their different political backgrounds, despite their bit different you know, worldviews and all that, they united together to run to Jesus. Guys, we can be that. We can show the world what it looks like to be united heart and soul as we follow Jesus together. We can be that as a church where the world is, it has no idea how Democrats and Republicans can be tight. The world has no idea how whites and blacks can be tight or Hispanics or Asians can be tight. The world has no idea how uh, the people that want to mask or don't want to mask can be close. But we can show them how to do that because we can say none of that matters compared to Jesus. And while the world is separating, we can unite in Christ. And while the world is discriminating and segregating, we can have integration in Christ. And while the world is filled with hates, we can bring love together in Christ. Amen? 
we can show the world what it looks like to be united heart and soul as we follow Jesus together. Let's talk about applications and land the plane. Sound good? Here we go. Application number one. This week, make a list of ways God has worked powerfully and has actively cared for you in your life. Every single one of us can have a long list of areas of how God has moved. And whenever we question it, we have a list to look back on. We can remember and send to our core of our beings, I know Jesus cares actively because I remember when he's done it before. And if God did it once, he can do it again. So make a list and meditate on those things. Number two, contemplate God's love and power. What do I mean by that? Spend 10 minutes in silence, physically and mentally, and inviting God in and letting God fill you with his love and power. See, the, the spiritual disciplines, there's a discipline of meditation, which is to fill your mind with something that you're focused on. So you're making a list, focusing on God's love and power. But then the spiritual discipline of contemplation or contemplative play, prayer or centering prayer is when you empty and you silence your mind because you've done the work through meditation. Now you empty your mind so God can do the work to fill you. And so spend 10 minutes this week after you make your list, invite God to fill you with love and to fill you with power and spend 10 minutes in silence physically, but also silence your mind. Stop yourself from thinking and let God fill you. Amen? And number three, as we do that, we can unite. So verbally unite with a brother or sister that has a different political opinion than you. And if you're vocal on Facebook, do it there. So why do I say this? I want you to do it verbally. Why do I want you to do it verbally? Because it's so easy to say, yes, we're united in, in person and in faith or in word, but we never say it to each other. And then in our hearts, we actually let ourselves be disunited and disconnected and let ourselves judge and prejudice and all that kind of stuff. When you go verbally to a friend, look, I know we disagree about, the, about this election. I know we probably voted for two different people, but that has not mattered to me because I know we both voted for Jesus. <laughs> I know that we unite in Christ. I know that more than anything that happens with this election, we, I'm going to be close to you until the day that I die because of Jesus. And I, I want to be serious about this for a second. Not all of us are vocal on Facebook, so this doesn't apply to everybody. But for those of us that are very vocal on, on Facebook, I, I want you to hear me as an evangelist of North River, Okay. If you're vocal on Facebook, I want to challenge you to, be, to vocally unite on Facebook with someone that views, it, views the politics different than you. And make a Facebook status. I want to give a shout out to brother blank, my brother in Christ, or my sister in Christ blank. We disagree on this election, but I want everyone on that is reading this to know I love them dearly and I'm united heart and soul because it doesn't matter what we believe politically because we're united over Christ, Period. And you send that thing out to the world. And you show the world more than anything else. We become doing that the beacon. That no, as Christians, what happens in this world pales in comparison compared to the kingdom of God. And you can show the world what it looks like to have love and union and connection and community despite this storm. Because when we come together and answer these two questions, that God is powerful enough to work in our life and that God cares actively about us,
then when you, we can unite together, heart and soul, and show the world what it means to be part of the kingdom of God. Amen? Amen. I'm done. <laughs>